Before we start today's show, I just want to give a massive shout out to Acast for making this show happen. Thanks, Acast. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the PJ Podcast. I am very excited to share this week's episode with you. It's one I've probably hyped up a little bit, but I had to be ready uh, to share this with the world. My birth story. Um, I gave birth, of course, at the end of August to our beautiful wee boy Charlie and I'm so excited to share all the details with you. I'm not going to lie, things didn't go as I had anticipated. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. I guess in my head, I don't know, I had had a plan and then things didn't quite go to said plan Um, and and I did genuinely feel like a failure along the way so we dive into that and I'm so grateful that for the story, I am joined by my incredible midwife, Renee. She is honestly a superwoman. And I just want to give a shout out to all midwives or anyone who works in the birth sector. You are amazing. And all women who have given birth. Honestly, pat yourself on the back because it is just the most wow experience. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to give away too much. Let's get into it. But I hope you enjoy this week's episode of the PJ Podcast. Okay, this is slightly emotional today because I'm kind of going through a breakup. It's not with my romantic partner, but it is with my amazing midwife, Renee, who has come out for one last visit, and I'm really sad about it. Can we hang out after? (laughs) We totally can hang out after. I don't know if breakup's the right word. No, but it is a breakup, though, because I've literally had this relationship with you for like 10 months now. Mm. No, maybe nearly more. Oh, about 10, 19 months. And it's a time when you're so vulnerable in your life and you've just been there through thick and thin and particularly the last five or so weeks, um, you've just been so helpful and supportive during this time and I just want to say thank you so much before we crack into it. (laughs) You're so welcome. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going (laughs) to cry. But um, it must be a really interesting time when you do have to say goodbye to these people that you have, you know, created – quite a close relationship with yeah it is quite it's quite weird because of you know like you've gotten so used to seeing them every single week so regularly it's and I think too because you know like by the time you get to that 37 week mark you're also doing like you're seeing them weekly anyway yeah then you have the birth and you see them quite 
you know, more frequently than weekly and then you go to weekly again. So it's actually a long time of seeing someone every single week. And then all of a sudden you're like literally <laughs> They drop off the face of the earth. I know. It's really, it is quite, quite weird. It's like a hairdresser. They get told, you know, like where they just become privy to all this information in the person's life. Mm. Like, yes, you're my midwife, but I also end up talking to you about heaps of stuff. Mm. Like it's it's a pretty interesting job. Do you, How many of your clients do you actually stay in touch with? Um, probably not that many. Really? I mean, <laughs> you're probably happy to see them go. <laughs> you're like, I'm blocking you once I leave your house. Um, no, nah, but I just, I think too, because just like any kind of relationship with anyone else, right, you you connect differently with different people. Yeah, of course. And some people are very business as usual type people. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. like I'll, right. I don't spend hours with them chatting because it's just obviously not something that they really want to yeah. do. So they kind of, you come in, raise the baby, have a chat, and then that's it. And they, uh, kind of, you know, they don't communicate a whole lot with you. So you're yeah. kind of like, okay, they're ready for me to they go. They don't have 150 questions like <laughs> me. <either, so. laughs> no. So probably, yeah. I mean, certainly not the majority of people I keep in touch with, but yeah, there's, yeah. there's always, there is always a special few that end up, that you end up staying in touch with, to be fair. And then often you'll continue that relationship if they choose to have more babies. That's yep. sort of how you work, isn't yep. it? So yep. the fact that I've been with you for this first time, does that give me a guaranteed spot? Not that I'm planning on any babies <laughs> yet, but like... Will I be able to yeah, like I, jump I, the queue, per yeah. se? And generally speaking, I'll, it's very unlikely that we don't take return clients. Yeah. Um, obviously, unless something, you know, either we weren't working or we were going to be busy. overseas or something like that. But like, most of the time, if we've got a month where we're busier than we would normally like to be, it's yeah. generally because it's return clients have rung and made us full that month. <laughs> you know, like I only take two to three a month, but there'll be some months where I'll have four or sometimes five, but that will be because I've had return clients oh my contact me and I'm like, oh, okay, yep, because I'm not going to say, oh no, sorry, I'm four, I'm not taking you. Oh my um, God, you're so good. But yeah, that's why I always say to some, people. Most people would probably be like, no, sorry. Oh, I don't know. I mean, most of the colleagues I have worked with would always take um, return clients back on again. Really? So that's kind of like a universal midwife thing to do? Yeah, generally speaking. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't speak for every single midwife out there, but most of us would take return clients because you have already developed that relationship with them. Yeah. So you do actually pretty much jump straight in where you left off like because you don't have to have that whole weaning in process at the beginning you know when you're like asking all these questions a lot of the small talk yeah you do like you already know the family you know you already know how everything works where they live and all that kind of stuff so you kind of don't have to start from scratch with that which is quite cool uh i've just got to preface that if you hear any little um breathing sounds or (laughs) i've currently got baby charlie on the boob because he just grizzled just as we were starting this so i'm just going to put the mic up you can hear him breathing Oh, maybe you can't. Anyway. (laughs) He'll fall asleep soon. Um, So we're here today to finally go through the story of the birth of Charlie. Um, I've been so excited to talk about this for quite some time, but then I was like, am I ready? Because I was a little bit traumatised at the time. And it's, you know, it's a really big thing to actually process going through. I never realised how huge Mm. the whole thing is and how just like it turns your world upside down for the good but also just Mm. wow like all the emotions and I guess I want to be aware going into this of when I was pregnant I was so adamant to listen to positive birth stories because more often than not you hear people's horror stories right Mm. and it can be so daunting and there are incredible stories out there and I think it's really important to arm yourself with that because you just psych yourself out and you go into it with fear and I Mm. don't think that's healthy so 
I'm going to try and talk it through <laughs> with a, a positive spin, but I guess it's my experience mm. and I still look at it in a really positive way, but it is important when going into your birth that you don't have a stuck plan. It's mm. a preference, right? Because right. some things can always go out mm. of your control. And I think I did learn that a lot during hypnobirthing classes and with you, you know, you just, you can't have a set plan always. No, no you can't. You've got to leave room yeah, for the do. unknown and then embrace it and, and surrender to what happens. But I guess I should talk about like what I was kind of had in mind. Mm. <laughs> so in my head, I thought, yep, I'll, I'll labour at home for as long as possible. Um, and then I'll go to the hospital when I feel like, you know, we're getting into crunch time and then use the pool, use gas, but I really didn't want to. I mean, in my head, I plan to not have an epidural or, or any extra pain relief and just give birth, you know, vaginally. That was that was the plan in my head, loosely. Yeah. Um, but, and please just jump in whenever you want. <laughs> Uh, maybe we'll go back to how it did start. And it was two days. So I was due, um, oh my God, when was I actually due? 21st. And I, I can't even remember that now. <laughs> <laughs> but I know that it was two days past, yeah. like my due date. And I hadn't really had any um, real Braxton Hicks or serious cramps up until that mm. moment. I'd had like the occasional bout of period pains maybe a week before and it was just like oh are we on here oh are we not uh and that night it was probably about seven o'clock and I had been cooking dinner with Beach, and I was like oh my god like I feel like I'm maybe getting some pains here and he's like you're being dramatic <laughs> <laughs> he's like you know I was like no 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 and like it <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe I am being dramatic and then it sort of started being a bit more consistent and I was like no I think something's happening here and he still didn't believe me. I was like, what will it take for you to think maybe we could be going into labour here? Like, we need to be prepared. Like, <laughs> is the bag packed? That's like, so funny. And then, I kid you not, my mum arrived because she was due to come and stay with us for a while. She arrived at 8pm that night and I had literally, I reckon, started contractions around 7 o'clock and mum arrives and I'm like, mum... I think I'm going into labour. And she's like, what, buddy? Are you sure? <laughs> and so everyone around me is like still doubting me. And I'm like, no, no, no. This is like starting to ramp up a little bit more. It was like a totally doable, light contractions. And then I reckon maybe nine o'clock, it really sort of started being more consistent. Everything is quite hazy, I will add. Mm. Like it's really weird how mm. you have almost an out-of-body experience. But I do remember that beginning part. And I was... Really determined to make that quite peaceful. I put on some chilled music. I was on the Swiss ball, just, you know, content. And then things got more intense. And I swear, like, the contract... Can you hear Charlie? Oh, Charlie now he put stops. The now he there. stops. Like, oh, I'm gonna call he was making cute liar. noises. Um, and we were like, oh, BJ, maybe you should go to bed because if we're on, like, you need to get some sleep. So mum kind of, like took the shift with me and I got into the bath and it really started ramping up and I reckon like the contractions were like two, three minutes apart. But I had that in the bath and it was doable and then I was getting on all fours, like just trying to get into positions that were comfortable. Before we knew it, it was like one o'clock and my mum was like, I think now is the time you should maybe start going to hospital because it was, I reckon it was like every one to two minutes I was having contractions, which is quite... Yeah, that's good. What do they say is... 
ideally the time where if you do want to go to hospital, you'd probably... So it's I always find it really difficult to tell people this because I think that more of it is going to be about Personal intensity. Thing. Yeah, right. And you know, like sometimes you can have people when you're like, oh, my contractions are three minutes apart and you turn up there and they're like laughing and happy and jovial and, you know, yeah, they're having three minute apart contractions but they're kind of like 30 seconds yeah, with and you're like, oh, mate, you've got ages. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I always talk about, to, about intensity but generally speaking, for most people when they're in active labour, you're going to have like really in the throes of it, your contractions will be probably around that what we call three to four and ten. So you probably are looking around three minutes apart and, and lasting that over like a minute plus. Yeah, well, they were getting up to a minute. They were yeah. like 45 seconds to a minute and mum was like, right, wake BJ up. Mm. <laughs> Get the bag. We're in the car. I remember getting out on the deck and I was like, hang on, no, I'm not. No, I, can't, <laughs> I, like, I couldn't actually – I never really – Thought what it would be like to get in a car, but I understood why everyone was like, that drive was the longest drive. I just wanted to be on all fours Mm. in the back of the car, but I couldn't get into a comfortable Mm. position. So I was like, okay, well, I'll make the most of it on my deck on all fours. Just like, can we just wait a second? And we get in the car and yeah, I just, it actually, I thought it would take forever, but it actually did go quite quickly because it's just, you're in and out of your body. Like Mm. it's, it's really weird. And we get to the hospital I once again demand to be on all fours <laughs> at the front. It's like Masterton Hospital, one thirty in the morning. There's not really anyone around, but there was some guy who was out the front. And he's like, are you okay, ma'am? And I'm like, no, I'm not okay. I am in labour. <laughs> I really understood what it would feel like. Like, you just, yeah, it's, it's, it's like I feel like you just cannot explain until you're in it. And he, he very kindly gets me a um, wheelchair and we're like dramatically pulled through the maternity <laughs> ward. And the ladies are like, oh, hello, so excited to see us. And uh, we get taken into our room and the pool, I was so glad, was all ready to jump into because that was like all I wanted. Mm. I just wanted to get back in that water. I just wanted to. But I think, no, they had to check my dilation first. And I was five centimetres dilated and that was such a relief. Because I was like, dude, if I'm like zero to two right now, that is going to be so deflating. Because that was the hospital midwife that checked you, eh? <sighs> hospital midwife. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, it was. Yeah. Because, oh my God, we haven't even touched on it yet. <laughs> Renee was technically not working. And actually, yeah, I haven't even gone into this yet. But like this was something which a week out I started sort of going, oh, my God, hang on. Like, when I work out the roster, <laughs> I knew that you were going to be like, oh, for my due date. And, oh, man, my anxiety did skyrocket. Because I think when you're seeing a midwife consistently throughout the time, you're like, no, nah, what are the chances she's going to be mm. off? She's not going to be off. It's going to be fine. But you were very nice and you did say, look, when push comes to shove, I'll be there for game time. Yeah. And you're Because you were very anxious because I saw you on that Thursday or Friday. I nearly before. cried. I was yeah. like, oh, my God, yeah. you're off right now. And then I tried to play it cool, and I was like, no, it's fine. It's all good. But I'm still okay. You didn't play it that cool. <laughs> so you had your lovely um, your lovely colleague who was in there while I was actively labouring, but it wasn't like I was about to, you know, pop anytime soon. And she was amazing. And I got in the pool, and then I got some gas, and then I went through about two tanks of gas. And that just dries you out, eh? Like it does really dry you out. Yeah. I mean, initially, I think it, it made an impact. But by the end, I just think it was yeah for comfort. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. This just distracts me in some way. 
Um, this is where things are going to start to get a little blurry and I'm going to need you to go. Yeah, no, nah, all good. <laughs> so what time did you arrive and what was happening then? So I think Beck rang me like, I want to say around 3, 3.30ish. Yeah. And, um, and just said, you know, hey, were you still going to come in for Polly's birth? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, oh, yeah, okay, cool, because I think that she's sounding poshy. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, yep, cool, all right. Um, so, yeah, so I must have, I mean, it, I'm around the corner from the hospital, so I probably got there around quarter to four-ish maybe. And I'd said something to you, was it a day or two before, and you're like, okay, I think this is going to happen in the next couple of days. Yeah. What did I say? Was it, had I had some diarrhea? Yeah, you had. You'd been on the <laughs> toilet. <laughs> Oh my god, I missed that. Now I've been constipated <laughs> for like six weeks. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, so we were yeah. So you arrived and you're in the pool, yeah. And I had my birth playlist. Oh my god, I listen to my birth playlist all the time, and I get so emotional. Oh. I play it back, and it just takes me back. But what was I? Did you think I was sort of getting ready? Well, when I walked in, um, when I walked into the hospital and just poked my head in the office just to double check which room you were in, yeah. um, I think I heard you <gasps> from See, down in I, there. I remember the sounds yeah. that I made yeah. were primal <laughs> AF. Like I, I had no control mm. over them. I don't know how many people were in that ward at the time, but I was – I just – BJ, I don't know how he put up with those noises. <laughs> like it was something horrific. Like, no. <laughs> it wasn't that. I mean, I guess we're so used to hearing that. Is, you it, know? is that normal? Yeah, it's absolutely normal. Like, do you, no, but like for us, on. it's a good sign that you you know Something's you are happening. getting close because you can't actually control that. No, I couldn't not, hear any other sounds coming. Control. Control. But maybe I was just in my own zone. Maybe there were other sounds. So those sounds you can hear them. You're like, okay, right. We're we're nearly into the pushing phase. Yeah. And do you remember what you said when I walked in? No. Oh. Like, <laughs> Oh my goodness, you're seeing me naked. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> I'd never seen you without clothes on before. And I was like, this is actually really confronting. I'm like, no, Renee, oh no, please don't judge me. And you're like, dude, that is the last thing I'm thinking of right now. I was like, now. what? That is the oh, most randomest thing. Did I, had ever. I pooed? Had I pooed in the water by that time? Had you? I don't know. Because I remember I, I was quite conscious so. of that. Oh, actually, no, I didn't really give a shit at that point. But. but <laughs> I remember, yeah. I was like, please don't look at me. I was like, oh, you're going to see a lot more of that coming up. Anyway, so then what happened? Because this is honestly blurry from here on in. Yeah, so I think we did just sit around for quite a while, just kind Let of the body do its waiting. Thing. Because you were definitely, definitely like sounding and looking very transitional. And you were, this, like the sounds that you were making were kind of really that, End pushing kind so of, that tra- you know. transition is often when the woman will be like, "I can't do this anymore. This yeah. is hard, man. Yeah. Like, just let me go into a cave." Yeah, yeah. And I do remember that, and it got so tiring after a while. Yeah, and I think see the the timeline kind of does get a bit fuzzy, probably for both <laughs> of us because so many so much time has passed. But yeah, probably after you know because we, we don't really want to start kind of counting time. Obviously, we hadn't we didn't check, so we didn't know that you. were if you were 10 centimetres yeah. and fully dilated and we don't check to say, oh, hey, you can push now. Like, that's so old school and we yep. don't do that. We really rely on the woman. Let the body and, to and lead it. Yeah, absolutely. Because we kind of want you to breathe through as long as you can because eventually you, you'll start pushing without being able to help it and that's what we kind of wait for. So I think probably must have been nearing on kind of 
an hour and a half, two hours after I'd been there. And I remember saying to Beck, um, <laughs> either... Oh, my God, I'm getting flashbacks now. Either we're going to have a baby soon or... Um, keep in mind that me and Beck were kind of in the other room. Like, yeah. the door was open, obviously, to the bus. So but we could, you kind we of right there, but we were, to it. Yeah, we were kind of technically in a different room, but we were right by the door, so we knew we were there. And I, like, whispered to Beck, like, either we're going to have a baby soon or we're actually not fully dilated in this baby's posterior and giving you those sensations like you need to push, but we're actually not there yet. Just because we hadn't really seen physical progress. You yeah. know, like, we'd, we'd, the way you were behaving was behaving. It was like, okay, cool, yeah. this is pushing, but yeah, there's but like, you something know, stalling. Yeah, totally, because normally you'd start seeing more signs that the baby's coming, you know, so, which we hadn't really seen, which is why we kind of started thinking, is this ba- has this baby rotated into more of an unfavourable position? Yeah. And, and it's giving you that real pressure and sensation, like, I need Well, it push, was, it was so overwhelming. Like, yeah. it was something I'd never felt, and it was... It like took me over. Yeah. Uh, is that what contractions yeah. are always like? But because it felt like it was more on my bum. Yeah, it did. And and usually with pushing, that's how it. Um, the cat. cat is trying to get in. <laughs> um, Not with, now, Jojo. With the pushing, you know, it does take over, and people do get that real intense pressure in the in the bottom, but. It's not too much of that before you would normally start seeing real obvious signs of the baby coming, you know, like you'd start seeing bits of, you know, the top of the baby's head and things like that. That's what we're kind of watching for. Yeah. And so we kind of, obviously this whole time too, we're listening into the baby's heart rate, who was absolutely perfectly fine. That's why we just do, you know, have the privilege of waiting to see what happens. But yeah, just over time it kind of started Thinking all the all the noise, but no progress. Yeah, yeah. So like maybe we're not quite fully dilated. Maybe the baby's head's on a funny angle. You know, like just little things like that. Um, and sometimes when you're in the pool as well, it's it's hard because it takes the gravity away. Yes. So even though it feels great for you because it so takes the gravity away, <laughs> um, sometimes it's counterproductive to the process, especially with first babies and things. Sometimes we need a bit of gravity, so. I think we did suggest for you to kind of hop out, try and sit on the toilet for a little while. And that was the point where all these positions that, you know, I previously could do, it was so hard to get Mm. into. So you were kind of encouraging me to do these spinning baby sort of positions, which would help accelerate um, the labour. But I was like, Renee, I can't. Mm. I cannot. Like simple things Mm. like... Lying on the bed, yeah, or on my side, yeah, wasn't it? it was, and I was, it was like, on your side. oh, I couldn't. Yeah, I was like, please let me back in. Yeah. So then we got to a point where we kind of had to make an action, and that's when was that? Had we established that I had fully dilated at that point? So I think because it kind of time all kind of goes real quick from here. You yeah, know what I mean? It did. And, and considering, to be fair too, that your labour was really not very long. No, like I quickly laboured. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I quickly contracted. Yeah. To the dilation, right? Absolutely right. Um and. So I think we got you to sit on the toilet for a little while, which you really didn't find Hated. comfortable at all. And then we kind of got you on the bed to try and get you in that side lying position to try and help this baby rotate. And yeah, you just really were not coping with that at all because of the intense back Pressure. pain. Yeah. Um, so then we also suggested to do, because um, I think we'd checked you and you were, I think, eight to nine centimetres. Yeah. So we knew then, okay, you're not quite fully dilated, but it did feel like the baby was... More posterior. So we also then did those injections on your back. Oh my god! <laughs> Which was pretty gnarly. I remember. Uh, yeah, you guys were like, it okay, was bad, eh? so this is going to be like a pain of like. What did you say? I like think hundred out of ten. Yeah, or something. Beck was like, because 
Beck had, is, had done them heaps, the sterile water injections, and I'd never done them. But she said, you know, like if your pain is currently like 9 or 10 out of 10, this is going to be like a 15 out of 10. But it's going to be momentary. It's yeah. going to be <laughs> like, it was only a few seconds. But it's, so it's like a natural pain relief. Yeah, so the idea is that, you you know, this bubble of water just gets put under, like it's subcut, so it just goes just under the skin. Which is why it hurts so much because obviously that's where all our nerves are, and so it kind of it's, it's literally like a bee sting. And of course, we were both on both sides of you, and we're doing it in two places each. So you're going to have four little bee stings in your lower back. And I remember at one point I thought you were going to kick back, like, like <laughs> I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah it was, but was then just, it was gone, like, and it did give me a very bit of relief. Quickly, your so back quick. pain changed because you'd you, at that point you were like. I can handle the contraction pain. Yeah. It's not that that's no, getting me. It's my it was the back, back pain is yeah. so bad, which really did tell us that this baby was pretty much direct posterior. So, the, you know, the back of his head and, the, and his spine is literally against yours, which is not really how we designed for these babies to go. So, you know, it creates more pain and pressure in, in the back and it's kind of inescapable. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah, that was quite So difficult. that gave me a bit more time, but I remember after a while... The yeah, pain came back. Absolutely. Because then we had talked about, you know, do we get an epidural? Yes. Do we get an epidural because then we could probably put you into some positions to try and help move him without you hopefully not having so much pain. It's quite difficult at that point of labour as well because sometimes, you know, like an epidural is not really designed to take everything away. No. And so there was always going to be that risk that we would do the epidural and the back pain pressure was still so strong that you'd feel like it didn't help. Do anything, yeah. But it was, you know, we were kind of running out of options because we also offered we could give you like fentanyl or morphine as well. Um, like there were a couple of different pain relief options. Um, Which we didn't end up we, taking. No, we didn't. Well, we're... Because in order to give you the epidural we had and any pain relief, we'd have to do a monitor of baby yeah. anyway and we'd have to put a line in, get some fluids up, you know, like start kind of making all these assessments done to make sure that everything was good so that I could then go and talk to the doctor about getting, you know, the epidural sorted. So I think Beck actually had gone out to talk to the doctor at this point to kind of get prior permission that it would be fine for us to do it while we started. But then we kind of had a chat too. We could kind of offer like... I think I said to you, we've got a couple of options. So we can either give you the epidural yeah. and try some positions, see how we go, and then we can contemplate maybe if breaking your waters was yes, a good idea. that's right. Or I could just break your waters now. But I did kind of preface that with saying one of two things is likely to happen if yeah. I break your waters. Either it will do what we want it to do, which... Mm will be to allow the baby to drop more on that pelvic floor. And sometimes when babies' heads hit the pelvic floor, it actually forces them to rotate anyway, like into right. that anterior position. Yeah. And then, you know, like especially if you've got only a tiny little bit of cervix left, that's kind of all you need. Or we could break waters and it does the complete opposite, which will be to drop them into your pelvis in that bad position. And then contractions will really ramp up. And the contractions will ramp up, but force them even further into a bad position and then he won't cope with that. So that was kind of the they two. They were the two options, and I said, look, I think we should just break the waters. We did. Option two happened. <laughs> he didn't advance. He got stuck. Contractions were intense. Yeah. Like, they came so fast yeah. after that. And that's when the obstetrician sort of was um, contacted, wasn't she? Yeah, but I think... Not, so, you know. not too long after that. Well, I mean, she was already in the hospital, because now we're... Getting you know, into like 7am, yeah, we Yeah, I think we're about 8-ish, you know, and I think we're about 8 o'clock 
when she yeah. kind of came in. Um, and, you know, like we had, the, so I broke your waters and he, you'd had meconium in there. So he he definitely was distressed. Had pooed. So it was kind of hard with meconium because sometimes you're like, when, how long has this been here? You know yeah. what I mean? Has he been stressed out in labour and that's what's made him poo? Well, up until that point, he wouldn't have been because his heart rate was fine. Sometimes it's that something happens earlier in you know, in the third trimester and they do a little poop in there and obviously the poo's not got, got nowhere to go, right? So, I mean, did you say that the longer they are in gestation, the more chance there is a meconium as yeah, well? Yeah, so as babies mature, yeah, often you'll see it with overdue babies. Yeah, yeah, often yeah. they'll have meconium in their waters just because out of maturity, their bowels have opened. Yeah. And when we're more kind of concerned around that real thick meconium because that's more likely to get into their lungs and stick everything together. So what was my meconium like, or oh, Charlie's? So I wouldn't. <laughs> I would, it was, certainly wasn't thick, but it was a little bit bitsy. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and it probably had been. To be fair, it probably had been in there before labour. I would say because it wasn't normally if because you had been in labour for such a short period of time. Normally, it would be thicker than that if it was right. kind of fresh. Um, but because we obviously we had the, we had to put the monitor on because you wanted you know we we're thinking about the epidural, so we'd put the monitor on. And at the point that I had broken your water, seen that there was meconium. His heart rate was really not great. Like so, it dropped or yeah. So just with every contraction you had, his heart rate would drop. Yeah, and then you know after the contraction would come back up, which is a good sign that it was coming back up. You know, what I mean, like it wasn't an immediate stress, but what that indicates really is that you know he was getting quite a bit of compression in yep. those contractions. Um, and babies are designed for birth so they're designed to withstand that amount of compression for a certain amount of time but obviously you know if their heart rate dropping every contraction coming back up they, they're not going to be able to do that for a long time yeah they can only, they can do it for a little while but they can't do it for a long time you forget that it's equally <laughs> taxing on the baby's body as it is the mum Absolutely. right yeah so the obstetrician had kind of come in um and said <laughs> you know had a look and was you know like oh I'm not happy with this trace and I kind of knew that to be honest I knew I knew that when she was going to come in, I was thinking, I know what's going to happen here. We're going to fast track um, <clears throat> But she was quite, like, she was she was quite reasonable in the discussion because she did say, hey, you know, I'm not that happy with this trace, but we, you know, I don't think the baby's in immediate danger. So we could, if you really wanted to avoid this then right now, we could try, get the epidural, see how you go over the next hour or so, and then make a decision. Keep yes, in mind too that she was going to be going to theatre because oh, she had a right. elective surgery that she had to go to as well. So she was trying to, you know, make this call of like, I'm not going to be able to come and help you until after I've finished that surgery yeah. either. And of course we can't even make guarantees, right? Like we can't say 100% I can guarantee that this baby will be fine the next two hours. No. Like we can't say that for sure. But she also gave me the percentage of 50% being able to give birth vaginally if we did the epidural. And I remember hearing that 50% yeah. and I was like, I cannot <laughs> keep this up. Yeah. I was fatigued by that point. And you, and because of the water's being broken, and because it did ramp up the contractions, which is what happens, and you did go get to fully dilated. Like yeah. It did get the rest of your cervix away, but it didn't help him rotate. And no. so your back pain was so bad. Like it was like it was really quite... Traumatic it, to actually it, it watch. It actually eh? was quite traumatic because there was not, literally nothing. And I think I remember, you know, trying to be running around doing stuff, and Beck was literally like two-handedly really like pushing into your sacrum because to try and give you some uh, relief. Oh my God, I forgot about that. You know, like it was just so, because of course we were also running around trying to get everything sorted and then the doctor had said, hey, you know, we want to just take a little sample of the baby's blood from his head to just check how much 
um, because you know when babies get into stress, their body yeah. creates lactic acid. Yeah. And so depending on how much lactic acid's in their bloodstream, it can tell us how distressed the baby is. Yes. So we I think, had to do that three times. I know. And it was a bit it was what was confronting about that and I think was really difficult and a shame in hindsight, I guess, is that that is a great test to do if someone really doesn't want to go to theatre. Because right. if, the, if we do the test and the lactate levels are actually pretty good, yeah. even though the baby's showing, starting to show signs of distress, but the lactates are fine, then that kind of tells us, hey, we probably do have some time up our sleeve because the baby's not yet concerned about what's happening to yeah. it. So, you know, that was, you kind of would use it if you were trying to make a decision about whether we go to theatre right now or do we have time to wait. But I think what was hard was that, you know, they all left to go get this stuff and it was just you and Beej and me. Yeah. And I think, you know, you both were like, like, what do you think? Yeah, this was the point where I was like, okay, because I know that you are um, a massive advocate for minimal intervention if possible. Like, I trust your words so many, because I know you often say that wasn't necessary. You didn't need to do that. That could have been done without all the intervention. So I trusted your word implicitly at that moment. And I was like, okay, Renee, give it to me straight. Like, yeah. what's going on here? And we sort of came to the quick decision that the best way forward was a C-section, yeah. going to surgery, getting it done ASAP because I couldn't steer down the barrel of going down, <sighs> pushing again, not yeah. knowing how the epidural was going to yeah. actually impact me, Yeah, whether my back pain was going to even mm. dissipate. Yeah. You know, and then you hear people who only get half I know. the epidural. I was like, no, nah, I just, I literally can't, let's do this. And I didn't want to put him in any mm. more danger. And I think at that time, because, you know, there was certainly reason to say, hey, you know, it, we probably have time to try the epidural and see if it would work. But my thing wasn't really about the baby's stress levels. It was more around how you were managing. And because yeah. I couldn't guarantee that the epidural would work it because we'd gotten so far, mm. I was more like, I don't know how you're going to be able to yeah. manage that, to be honest. like, And then what happens if, you know, we need the doctor and then she's in theatre. And sometimes we just have to use, um, you know, in that moment, we kind of, yeah, we're using a little <laughs> bit of the gut feeling, right? Yeah. And at that point... Um, and I guess, you know, it's hard when people listen because, you know, if you're not there, you can't really yeah. weigh in on, you know, what things look like on the outside. But at the time, I just remember thinking, I don't think it's going to change. I, and I yeah. think I said that to you. I said, I think my gut's telling me that this baby has come down too far in this position that even with waiting in an epidural, I think we're probably still going to end up in theatre. So that's what we decided to do. Yeah. And I think the doctor had suggested too that you know, we'd go to theatre and if, because we knew you were fully dilated and that if the baby had come down far enough, we could attempt to do a forceps or a vontus in theatre, but we would recheck again when we were there once you'd had a spinal, because sometimes when you've had that spinal and everything's completely numb mm. and your body relaxes, it can help. Yeah. So I think we had made that choice. So I think based on the fact that we'd already made that choice, what was difficult was that they still went ahead and did the lactates. Because that was quite traumatic for you, and that was what well because was the contractions were basically, mm. you know, nonstop, mm. um, and so they put this thing, which almost felt like you know when you get a smear, kind of yeah. goes up, and they're doing this test on him. Um, it was pretty painful. With yeah. The contractions, I remember. Yeah, because you had no pain relief. Nah, um, and so that sort of happened three times because they couldn't quite get it right yeah. and whatever. So and I w and we weren't in the room with you either because there was quite a few. People, yeah, there was, you know, there like were a lot of nurses. Yeah, so All of a sudden, there were a lot of people in the room. So I remember in that moment, and it's so silly because, you know, you just have to surrender. But in my, you know, 
you tell yourself not to have a plan for how things are going to go because there's always, you know, room for movement. But I just remember feeling in that moment when I knew we were going to surgery, I felt like a failure. Mm. And I just, I cried. I think I mm. cried in that moment where I was like, oh my God, this is happening. Because it was just something that I hadn't had ever been on mm. the horizon really. And mm. It's silly that I hadn't even entertained it. But I look back now and I'm so happy, actually, with how things went. It's so funny. But in that moment, up until that point, I'd always imagined giving birth vaginally. And I just thought, man, there must be so many women who do have that maybe moment of disappointment because they put so much pressure on how they want the outcome to be. And, you know, at the end of the day, Mm. he was healthy. He was safe. I was healthy. I was safe afterwards. And... It was a perfect outcome because he was born safely. Mm. But, yeah, I wonder how how often people do feel like they've let themselves down or they've let their baby down because it wasn't how they had planned. Do you find that that um, happens sometimes? Yeah, probably quite a lot. And it's – I don't think that – I mean, I don't like to blame anyone for it and I certainly don't want to blame the baby. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but on saying that – Charlie. The, well, I think the thing is, right, is that – Obviously, birth and stuff is really unpredictable, yeah. and we—it's to a lot of extent, you know, you'd done absolutely everything right. You know what I mean? Like you'd been active, you'd stayed at home as long as possible, mm. and and for all intents and purposes, you dilated really quickly. Thank you. So, like, you know, your your body did what it was absolutely yeah, yeah, meant yeah. to do, but but it's two people here trying to do this job, right? Like the baby's also a very active participant in this process, so sometimes we. We try and do absolutely all the things we can do to try and get the baby to rotate in the right position. And sometimes they just don't get that message. And, you know, they the baby just doesn't quite get that. And, you know, potentially, say, we went back and, you know, did it again. You got the epidural and we could do all those, like, real drastic spinning babies to try and get the baby rotate. And maybe we would have got them to rotate. But, again, you have to work with what you've got at the time, right? Yeah. And at that time, I just – I don't think that you could have done that. And that's, <sighs> you know, I think um, – you know, you tried as much as you could, but you physically could not get into the positions you needed to get into. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, and I'm so grateful we no. we made the decision we and did. I mean, look at his head when he came out. Like, that, that head. Because yeah. we did, because the doctor did check when we got there. Yeah. And said, you know, I just, I don't think the baby's head is low enough. And even then, like, even when she went to do the surgery and she was trying to get the baby out, like, I mean, I still had to push his head up too because it was really quite impacted yeah. in there. You know, and he had that real had like shelf a, cone, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which really shows you that, you know, like, that back part of his head was really trying to come through, but that front part of his head was, really like, hitting your pelvis. So, and that it, it's really difficult because, you know, women will, will blame themselves for it, but there's really... There's so many factors that come into it. Absolutely right. And, and I've had many cases where things like this have happened... You know, and then the next time they have a beautifully fine normal birth because this baby was just always in a good position and could make it work. Yeah. So, you know, like that's, it, there's always the two parties involved. So now that I've fully dilated but didn't actually give birth vaginally and then had a C-section, technically my body has gone through that labouring yeah. process. So for next time, if I do go for a V-back, which I've been told that I'd have 70% chance of achieving, yeah. Um, yeah, my body might be familiar with the process. So generally, yeah, in those situations, you'll find that women will labour like they've had a baby before. Yeah. So generally, the labour tends just to be when it gets to the vag. Yeah, <laughs> tends to be quicker because you know the body's already fully dilated before yeah. it knows what it needs to do, so it's more efficient yeah. at that process. And then it's just the actual second stage part of um, you know pushing with the birth that is like the first time part again. Yeah. And typically, babies kind of do if they can just kind of 
wiggle themselves around and get through, then they do and it's all fine. My baby's grizzly. He's going to go for a walk. I think he's had too much milk. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, interesting because... I would love to try and then I'm like, oh, because yeah, I've, I've literally talked to two people who went through the exact same experience for the first birth and one managed to have the feedback beautifully and the mm. other person just went through the same thing again and they mm. went through that posterior like positioning and the the labour couldn't advance. So I think I will, if I do have another child, I will go for it. I'll yeah. try and then, I don't know, will there be more, will you have to be more alert or more on guard for, I guess, red flags of yeah, positioning? So, yeah, or? so, I mean, you do d- definitely watch kind of a bit more closely when people are having yeah. um, the VBAT. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I mean, some also keep in mind that some babies in that posterior position will actually be born fine. Yes. Because if they can... If they can, to rotate. Yeah, if they can flex their head in that position, then they'll just be born posterior. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. just so many when they're in that position, they just don't flex their head. And then, of course, with a deflex head, it, can't, it won't be able to work. So, you know, we certainly can do, try and do more things if we can. But ultimately, again, it's, it just comes down to, like, having to surrender to the process. Yeah. And that you can absolutely do everything in your power again um, and just kind of see how you go. But, I mean, 75%. Oh, is it 75%? It's about 75%. Which is pretty, it's a pretty high percentage. Yeah, absolutely. I just remember when once I got into theatre, I'm lying on my back and I just remember when that spinal injection kicked in, oh my God, like a new human. I was yeah. like, oh, I don't care what you guys do. Oh, because I had to get a catheter put in. Yeah, I remember I was like, that's just nothing. Just do everything yeah. now because all the pain was gone mm. and I actually could think again. But up until then, it was, you know, it was getting pretty... Unbearable. Yeah, and that's the difference between a spinal two and an epidural. Yes, so spinal completely takes yeah, so out you would all have the pain. Literally nothing, um, and so you, it, you know, but an epidural isn't necessarily like that. Yeah, so you don't necessarily get because you still get the pressure it. right with an EP sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know what I think about the guys or the birth partner in that position, and they, I reckon, would sometimes be equally traumatized, if not more. Because, like, Beach was sitting next to me and all this is happening and then all of a sudden I'm, you know, getting cut up uh, nicely. Like, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. you know, it was actually fine for me. But for the partner, they're watching this all. They don't have the pain relief. He's, like, can see on the other side. It's, you know, it's a lot for them to go through. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot. And, and two men tend to be fixers. Yes. You know what I mean? Like yes. they don't, I mean, you BJ try, particularly. Yeah. I mean, you sit there trying to tell them about your problem sometimes and they'll they sit there trying to find it. solutions and you're like, I don't no, want I just want to be listened. This. I yeah. just want to be listened to. Yeah. So in those situations, it can be very hard for so them because true. they they desperately want to fix the situation, but 
they can't. And so often then they look at us like, can you fix it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, no. Trying. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that's yes. where it's, you know, it can be quite hard because they are literally quite powerless. Yeah. So it can often be quite difficult, you know, for them just to be sitting there like. Not being able yeah, to do not being anything. Able, literally not being able I'm to like, do all I need is your anything. support. I just need you right yeah. there with me. Oh, man, I remember. Because you had to like, because of the position, you might have touched on this before, but mm. during the C-section, you had to push your fist up my vagina. Is that right? Yeah, I did, to push his head back up. I had up. no idea that was yeah, happening. BJ told me that afterwards. Yeah, because his head was so impacted and the doctor could not get her hand you know, between your pelvis and the baby's head. Yeah. So she had already said beforehand, like, can you can you go like scrub up and put gloves on because – I might need you to actually like I didn't even push know. the baby's head. So I had to push the baby's head quite hard up and then her hand kind of, which is always real weird that my hand's up there. So your her hand hand's fit, touching your mine. hand fit all the way up? Yeah, like because her hand coming through your stomach <gasps> then, she was like just, she said <laughs> oh my push, my, she was push my hand up. Like I've got my hand on the head, can you push my hand up? Yeah, so he was he was really you know he was trying really hard to come out in a position that wasn't great, <laughs> you know like. Uh, but that, he did. And he managed he to pop out and I just remember hearing that cry for the first time yeah. and I just burst into tears and it was just, yeah. oh man, I don't know if it was all the drugs I was on. Well, I don't even know if I was on drugs at that point. Nah, no, nah, nah, I don't think they'd given you, they don't really give you anything about the <sighs> spinal and then. But I just remember hearing that cry and I was just. The relief, eh? Yeah, such a relief. So it's, oh. it's a relief to us too. Yeah, when they come out, the minute they cry, you're like, "Oh, thank goodness for that." <laughs> so that was that was what happened, and then I stayed in hospital for two nights, which was amazing. I just want to actually do a shout out to um, the Masterton Maternity Ward because they are incredible, and you know they teach you all the things with like latching, and they just kept coming in, checking on Charlie, and I just actually felt really comfortable in there. So. I want to do a shout out because a few people had given me the heads up that they'd had a really good experience, but you never know until you're in there. Yeah. And, and so that was Wednesday he was born at 10.31 a.m. And then we left, I think it was about Friday afternoon. And I was ready to go home by then, I yeah, think. most that, people are. Yeah, I was like, I just want to be in our own place. Yeah. In your um, own bed. Yeah. With your own toilet. <laughs> but like, man, C-section is downplayed, I reckon, in society. You never really know how. Full on it is. It's a full on abdominal surgery mm. and the recovery is gnarly. Like you need to take care of yourself. You can't just rush back. I Even just simple things of picking him up um, and changing him. It, that was too hard for me initially. Yeah. I was so glad that Beige and mum were here because they were doing like a little rotation. Yeah. With a, that helped me out. And I was like, how do people on their own get through that? You know, yeah. I, I needed that support. Mm. It's absolutely major surgery, and I don't think, I think that is minimised by a lot of people, you know, and they kind of expect uh, that. Especially when people think, oh, C-section, it's an easy way out. No. There's a reason why they invented keyhole surgery for yeah. abdominal surgeries, right? You know, like it's if someone goes in for keyhole and they're like, oh, sorry, we had to just go in normally, it's a big deal. Yeah. And so, but that's what we're doing routinely with caesareans all the time. And then not only have you then got to recover from this major surgery, but you're also recovering from pregnancy and now you've got a baby to feed and look after as well. Yeah. You know, like it is, and deal with all the changing hormones and stuff. So there is just so much going on. And moving forward, I don't, I still want to go in with a positive outlook. And I want to believe that my body can do it. I think it can be, I'd say there'd be a lot of post birth trauma after that first birth for people who 
things didn't go to plan right and then they're yeah. like going into the second birth. I still want to, you know, yeah. give it that best shot for how I did envision it, but yeah. just take away that, I guess, underlying pressure if things don't work out. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to give a shout out for all those people who have had it. They had a similar situation and, you know, you are not a failure. Absolutely You not. are an absolute warrior mm. for for bringing a, a new life into this world and it's just the most incredible thing to go through. Even though it was <laughs> traumatic, it was just the best. And like the emotions afterwards, holy crap, never realised how much I could love mm. something. Man, I was a mess. I was such a mess. <laughs> It's just, I remember like, I was chatting to my brother on the phone a few days ago and I just broke out into tears. And he was like, are you right? And I was like, I just can't believe how much I love Charlie and like, I just don't want anything to happen to him. <laughs> it's like, he's in your arms. I'm like, yeah, but like, what if something happens to him one day? Like the hormones are intense. It's just an absolute cocktail. I remember talking to my friend and it was funny. All my friends who had had babies reached out a couple of days after just going hey how are you going because they remembered that that was the time where things really kick in and mm. like you know you do have that dip in oxytocin or hormones or whatever and and things really kick in and it's like that perfect storm of you've just gone through like one of the most challenging things of your life your body is recovering the hormones are all over the show you're tired and so they checked in you know a few days after because that is when you really want to just yeah absolutely and then your milk's coming in. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I yeah. remember you came out and you're like, how are you feeling? And I was like, uh, uh, uh. and you're like, this is okay. You know, if it was down the track, we might start worrying a bit more. But this is so, such a physiologically normal response mm. to have a few days after the birth. Or for up to 10 days, isn't it? It's the baby blows where. Yeah, it's just all those, you know, you've got such a sudden drop of hormones. Yeah. And like all those pregnancy hormones that your body doesn't need anymore because now you're not pregnant. Yeah. Um, And then you've got. A rise in other hormones for breastfeeding, <laughs> and then on Perfect top of all, yeah, and then on top of that, you've got not having sleep, you know. So and then you get these weird night sweats, yeah. and you're freaking drenching the sheets, yeah. and you feel filthy. Yeah, not everyone gets that, but I did, and I'm still going through it every night. But three months, eh? You sit around three months, and then yeah, most things settle at three months, just right? because that's you know it's the that fourth, fourth trimester, trimester over. Yeah, yeah. Half, I'm halfway. You are. Yeah, girl. Yeah, Right, well, I think we could talk all day again about all the things I've experienced, but today was about the birth story, and uh, look, I might have missed details. It is a bit hazy, but thank you so much, Renee. From the bottom of my heart, there is no one that I would have wanted more in that position to be by my side and and let things run. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. <laughs> and maybe I'll see you in a couple of years. <laughs> If not sooner. I know you gave me those condoms because you were like, hey, accidents happen. More common than you think. Just quickly, actually, on that. Do you find that that happens a lot? People get a little bit comfortable and are complacent thinking that they're not going to fall pregnant so soon after the baby. I don't know if I'd say a lot because I think most people are more cautious because, you know, especially if they really don't want to be having another yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I definitely have had people who, you know, within that first three to six months are Slip like, oh, through the goal that easy, you know. Yeah. Well, people think that if they're breastfeeding, they can't get pregnant. Yeah. They think yeah. if they haven't got their period, they can't get pregnant, but still things happen. Well, yeah, that's it. You've got to pop an egg before you're going to get your period, aren't you? So sometimes people are like, oh, I didn't even get a period. I'm like... Yeah. Okay, um, thank you so much. We'll wrap it up. I know you've got to pick up your boys. They've just been at a party, so I'll let you go. But from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. You're very welcome. 
Well, that was this week's episode of the PJ Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Obviously, a very personal story, but one that I was so excited uh, to share this week. And yeah, that whole that whole idea of failure during giving birth, it's, it's so fascinating how much pressure we put on ourselves. And the big thing I learned was how important it is to just surrender to what is and however your baby chooses to come into this world is perfect and it's exactly how they're supposed to enter and the most important thing is that they're healthy and safe so again could not be more grateful for my incredible midwife uh renee and all the hospital staff who were there um yeah so thank you so much for listening and i'd love to know feedback i'd love to know your stories if you're in a similar situation send me a little message on uh, instagram the pj podcast i'd love to hear your stories and if you haven't already subscribed to the potty uh, you can do so wherever you listen to the show um leave a little review subscribe and i'll see you next week for a new episode Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.